4: In case you didn't know, it uh, we've got a solar eclipse coming up. Uh, in fact, it's just around the corner. It's going to happen next Monday, August 21st. You can see it across the United States sometime in the afternoon. I think somewhere between two and three. I think, in the Northeast, everyone is that right? Are you going to watch it?
0: I'll be watching right from the beach on Martha's Vineyard with my special eclipse-equipped sunglasses. <laughs> Wapping a little that. lather on, yeah, you know, a little bit of that oil on. You know, it's going to be all good. Rubbing my belly.
4: Well, it's a good idea to have those sunglasses. Uh, I know they tell you not to look directly at it, and the reason I know is because I remember watching one in the summer of '63. There's a total eclipse in '63, and they said, "Don't look at it." So we got a piece of paper, and we turned our backs, when we looked down the piece of paper. Uh, anyway, Here's you my don't question. have to use it,
1: Clark. Can I
0: ask you yeah. a question? Because I know you're a yeah. big environmentalist. Yeah. They, they say, we, you know, you can go blind and all that, right? Right, right. Well, how come we don't see all kinds of blind deer and bears and birds and everything staggered? They don't have any sunglasses. You think they're all, like, not looking?
4: No, they're looking. <laughs> yeah, they're looking at the paper. They're not looking directly. They're looking <laughs> at the paper. The paper They've seen the shadow. They've seen the shadow over their shoulders. <laughs> uh, but anyway, you know, if you don't have paper, use the solar eclipse glasses Ron was talking about. He's marketing them. So is everyone else in Goose. Question for you. Can we use those glasses on the next of fame class of candidates? Can we see them or adjust their shadows?
5: Clark, it's still a little hazy for me. There are eight <laughs> first ballot candidates with a combined 54 Pro Bowls in their careers. Six of the eight were all-decade selections for the 2000s. Ray Lewis, Randy Moss, Brian Urlacher. Richard Seymour. I'm not sure I've ever seen a first ballot class this loaded.
4: Well, there is a class coming up. It's the class of 2018, and Rick is right, they're loaded. But we're gonna have to vote on them, and Goose and I are actually going into Kent next week to cast votes for the senior, that would be Goose, and the contributor committees, that's me. And then, of course, all of us will vote on the modern era class of 2018 with a preliminary list out next month. And to help us with those decisions, as well as talk about how we can prove, improve the Hall of Fame process, We have Joe Horrigan of the Hall with us. We also have Hall of Famer Curly Culp and NFL historian John Turney of Pro Football Journal as we preview the class of 2018. That's coming up here on the Talk of Fame Network.
6: Hi, Tom Bodette. Apparently, the hip thing for businesses to do these days is target millennials. So it may sound sus coming from this baby boomer, but Motel 6 is a V-great place for your squad to stay woke or asleep. The updated rooms are hashtag blessed with contemporary floors, bedding, and flat screen TVs that are totally on fleek. Plus, their prices are always low AF. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll keep it lit for you. Book online at motel6.com.
7: This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and Clark Judge. They are who we thought they were.
4: Talk to Fame Network is brought to you by GEICO, where just 15 minutes can save you 15% or more in car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. And you should have gone 15 minutes ago. a reminder that maybe you should have gone there about 48 years ago. I'm talking about Woodstock. Uh, it's the 48th anniversary, at least it was this week, of Woodstock. It was held on August 15, 1969. Of course, it ran through August 18th. Some of us who uh, remember it, those who don't, were probably there. Uh, four days of peace, love, music, and mud. Lots and lots of mud. Hey, Ron? Uh, yes, sir. Were you there? Were you there?
0: I think I was in my mother's womb. No, no, I guess I wasn't. Uh, I think so. Actually, I think I was shingling a roof prop, more than likely with my father, uh, and it, which didn't seem like the best place to be at the time. Uh, but in retrospect, uh, it still wasn't the best place to be.
4: Yeah, well, you're <laughs> right. And they always say, if you remember you were there, you probably weren't there. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Goose, I, I know you weren't there either. And neither was I. Uh, you wish you had been, or you really don't care?
5: Don't care. I had the records. Didn't need the mud and the rain. You, you like there are a few Motown. other things you could have gotten there from what I understand, but, uh,
4: you know, <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> well, Goose prefers Motown to, to Hard Rock or, you know, yes. some of that stuff, right? Yes, sir. Goose, uh, Jimi Hendrix, we just stuck around for that, that Monday morning uh, National Anthem, Star Spangled Temp Banner.
5: Tempt and well, Temps. That'd have been- I, don't,
4: I don't think the Temps were there. I don't. Well, um, interesting story, guys, about that concert. I heard this today. Um, there was a performer who lost her badge and had to sing to get past security, and the guy asked, Do you know who it was? And I said, I'm just going to guess. Melanie? That's right. It was Melanie. whose full name is Melanie Safka. And you guys might remember she had a song that was popular but were actually forgettable, Brand New Key. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. But, uh, I know it's the, yikes. The, yeah. The reason I mention her is uh, because we have a class of 2018 coming up that'll include guys like, of course, Ray Lewis, Brian Erlach, Steve Hutchinson, Randy Moss. But there are plenty of guys uh, who might have to sing. To get past security, at least to get on the preliminary list. And, and guys we've, we've talked about and, and, uh, and talked to last year who were left off of it. And, and you remember when we had that series, we talked to some guys who just didn't understand. We didn't understand it either. But, Goose, I'll start with you. Anyone in particular who would want at this year's preliminary list that was excluded in 2017?
5: Yeah, let's start with the old decade guys. Neil Smith, Richard Webb, Lori Glover. If this same Hall of Fame selection committee declares you one of the best players of your era, you deserve a debate as to where you fit among the best player of all eras. Smith at 100, Chris Sachs, Webb, 7 Pro Bowls, Glover, NFL defense for the year, all worthy of discussion.
4: Ronnie? You know, I'd like to see
0: Andrew and James get a full uh, uh, airing. I don't think he ever really has gotten a full enough airing that guy could really play. Uh, I'd also like to see. i like to see Atwater. I'd like to see our friend Chris Hinton, friend of the show. <laughs> Carl Mecklenburg, friend of the show. Not that that's a related thing. That they're friends. That they can hate the show. They like it's unwise, but they can. And you know what? How about Richmond Flowers?
4: Richmond Webb?
0: I mean Richmond Webb. Yeah, Richmond Flowers <laughs> was a <the> wide receiver, <laughs> oh, right? Richard, Wasn't that yeah, Richmond was, was Richmond Flowers right? yeah. was a wide receiver, Yeah, yeah. I think a, I saw him open once in a game. Richmond Flowers, and it was because Richmond <laughs> Webb was blocking him.
4: He was a great <laughs> was a track, <laughs> a track athlete, for,
0: athlete
4: for Tennessee. he was a, <laughs> yeah, he was yeah, a great track was, athlete. Yeah, he was really yeah. fast, right? Yeah. Richmond
0: Flowers was fast.
4: He was. And me too.
0: <laughs> I'm not so about, fast today, though. Richmond Webb, repeat after me.
1: <laughs> how about, Maybe that's how about why Spud, the how about Spud
0: goes, Webb? <laughs> Spud Webb, there we go. That's why he's not in all. hall. Everybody goes, I'm not going to put that receiver from Tennessee
4: in there. Yeah, that's right. I don't think <laughs> oh, he's going to make the list. Right, how about offensive lineman Lomas Brown? Someone, anyone, yeah. and, hey, Remember, I mean, we talked to him during his 18 years. in The NFL, he played, what, more games, I think, than all but one offensive lineman? Seven Pro Bowls, six All-Pro teams, one Super Bowl winner. He said he believes he's worthy of being in the hall when he talked to us last year, uh, yet he couldn't even make the ballot a year ago. Ron, I, I don't understand that one.
0: No, I agree with you there. I mean, look, I saw him play a lot, you know, and uh, he was a good player. And I know Goose, of course, would be jumping up and down because, he's, you know, guy spends 20 minutes in Detroit. That's his guy. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, so I mean, unfortunately, you guys all know how it works, you know, especially at that position. You know, it's hard enough to get in. Period. If you're linemen. it's harder still if you're not wearing, you know, a ton of rings and 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 all that. You know, I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, look at uh, uh, Reuben Brown, nine-time yeah, Pro right, Bowl guard right, with the Bills, right, four right. All-Pro four times, forgotten by the Hall's voters. You well, say Goose, Reuben let me ask Brown? You that, I don't know what. Let they me ask. Go-
4: I'm glad you brought him up. Let me ask Goose. Goose, Reuben Brown, Lomas Brown, Richmond Webb, or Richmond Flowers? <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> I know who's <laughs> fastest. <laughs> That's
4: I, right. We're running a track me, We know who's going.
5: <laughs> I, I'll, go, I'll still go with Richmond Webb. You protect Dan Brino's, Brino's blind side. You've done a pretty good job.
4: Yeah. Okay. Well, let's look at this year's list. Um, and I'm talking about the preliminary list. Uh, I've got to believe that Ray Lewis is the slam dunk. It's not exactly a genius thought here, not going out on a limb. Um, but anyone else from this class, and I mentioned the Acker and Moss are included. So Steve in front of the show. <laughs> And Urlacher and Moss, both first-team all-decade choice, they're on this list. But anyone else in this class, Goose, that's going to make it on the first ballot?
5: You know, I think Urlacher has the best case. He went to more Pro Bowls than anyone on this ballot except Lewis, eight of them. You know, like Lewis, he was a first-team all-decade selection. Like Lewis, he was a past NFL Defense Player of the Year. But with only five modern-era slots, do we hand two of them over to the inside linebacker position? Right. There are some other deserving candidates already in the queue. How
4: about you, Ron? Yeah. First ballot?
5: Uh, uh, I would think not, and I would hope
0: not, even though you guys know I'm not the, the hottest on the first ballot. thing. If there is such a thing, Brian Urlacher ain't it.
4: Okay, well, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because Goose mentioned he's a positive. I'm just trying there to, me, to... <laughs> You always do, and thank you very much. <laughs> um, but that Urlacher-Lewis debate, that's a good one, I think, and and there are people out there going to say, um, you know, Urlacher should be in there, and that they're both first ballot choices. But i, I got to believe... Goose, that uh, Lewis is going to make it tough for Erlacher to get in there on the same ballot just because of what you said, two guys from the same position.
5: Yeah, history says one player per position, and that one player would be Lewis. Well, and and there's another thing, Clark. Very simply, if my math
0: is correct, there are six linebackers who are first ballot Hall of Famers. Lewis would be the seventh if, in fact, he gets in, which I think he will. Would you take (laughs) Erlacher over Ray Lewis, Derek Brooks, Jack Ham, Jack Lambert, Ray Nitschke, Mike Singletary, or Dick Butkus. The fact of the matter is he'd be third string on the Bears all time, and probably fourth if people remember Bill George. So if he's fourth on his own team, he's probably not a first ballot Hall of Famer. Sorry.
4: We just lost our Chicago affiliates. Thanks, there, Ron. Um, I know we talked about <laughs> oh, we're this. Oh, right, the right guys I talked about—they're all from yeah, Chicago. I, I love Yeah, Joe Bucks fan loves that. He loves that. Derek Brooks, thank you very much. Hey, um, I know we talked about this when we were in Canton, but uh, let's go public because we're here and we are in public. Um, among the holdovers from the 2017 ballot. Whom do you believe is the most likely to reach Canton in 2018? And keep in mind they have that the top ten that didn't make it, did not make it, we had Ty Law, we had Brian Dawkins, Kevin Mawai, Tony Baselli, and John Lynch. So who of that group, Ron, I'll start with you, most likely to become a Hall of Famer in 2018?
0: Pete after me. Ty Law, Ty Law, Homer. Ty Law. Look,
4: he was a Repeat after us. Homer. Homer.
0: 20 minutes in Boston. Ron loves you. He he is the most (laughs) impactful player on that list. He played longer as a starter than all those defensive backs that you mentioned. He's got a better jewelry collection, and he had more to do with collecting that jewelry than any of these other guys. Thank you very much. And then there's the other four guys. What were their names again?
4: Hey, Derek, could you usher the Ty Love family out of the studio? Please get him out of here. Hey, Ty, I'll see you later. (laughs) hey clark
5: clark i hate to agree but i think law is the guy i was surprised really? taylor was selected over law for that last spot a year ago when his career stacks up favorably with deon sanders dale green champ bailey sanders and green were both first ballot guys and bailey figures to be one as well yet law is now in his fourth year as a finalist still waiting in the call and i tend to think maybe i'm wrong ron defense had a little something to do with those super bowl victories in the oh. 2000 decade. two thousand Exactly.
0: Huh? What? You're exactly. Hey, Ty Law we're... carried that quarterback around on his back. He used to be 6'2", until he met Brady. And then he
4: around, and those like, are Goose, fight we got boards th- in this show. <laughs> we, we got about 30 seconds here, Goose. Quick question, though. Ty Law or Brian Dawkins? I'm a Dawkins guy. I think Dawkins go in. But I think Law will, too. I think both will be included in, this, in the next class.
5: I'm a Law guy. Tougher position to play. I'm a Law Tougher's guy. Tougher position in football. Corner. Toughest position. And the long one. Change we're going to stop right on. I didn't th- change the rule for him.
4: <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay, Homer, we're going to stop right there and go to commercial. But when we return, we're going to resume this conversation with our old friend and frequent guest. That'd be John Turney of Pro Football Journal. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Now, the reminder that the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Geico Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com.
6: Hi, Tom Bodette. Apparently, the hip thing for businesses to do these days is target millennials. So it may sound sus coming from this baby boomer, but Motel 6 is a V-great place for your squad to stay woke or asleep. The updated rooms are hashtag blessed with contemporary floors, bedding, and flat-screen TVs that are totally on fleek. Plus, their prices are always low AF. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll keep it lit for you. Book online at motel6.com.
7: This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and Clark Judge. You play to win the game.
4: Hey, Ron Borges. Yes, sir. Well, you play to win the game, so do you know what it means when Geico says just 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance?
0: It means if you're on the phone 15 minutes ago, you're a winner. Like you, Smart Con.
4: man. Smart man. That's why we've got him on the show. Listen to Ron. For more details, go to, well, Ron Borges or Geico.com. And you should have gone 15 minutes ago. I'll tell you where we go. When we need a reality check, we call our next guest. It's one reason he's been a frequent visitor on this program, I'm talking, of course, of NFL historian John Turney, a pro football journal. And we've left John alone this summer. Lucky for him. But now that it's August, yeah, that's August. He's back on our speed dial. Hey,
3: John, how's your summer been? Oh, it's been great. Yeah, been enjoying it and doing lots of things, getting lots of work done.
4: Okay, well, we're going to disrupt you and try to get some more work out of you here. We've been talking about the Hall of Fame class of 2018, and I guess we're going to start at the top here. The senior and contributor candidates are going to be announced next week. Goose goes in for the senior committee. I go in for the contributor committee. Do you have any favorites in either category, and, and whom, if you were a betting man, do you believe emerges?
3: Well, I wouldn't criticize hardly anybody that's going to come out of them because i know that uh, it's a conscientious group both committees and, and all of them are going to be good but if i were to pick my favorites i would for the contributor category i would lean towards george young for two reasons one is he almost got in the hall of fame in the regular process it was a final 15 and i believe he got to the final 10 maybe goose remembers but that's pretty darn good for a guy who is a, a general manager and the other reason is because other than bill polian nobody has been a executive of the year more often than george young i can't remember exactly how many i think it was five times it was that, uh, five. it was uh, i think quite a remarkable run now if bobby bethard emerged or steve sable emerged or if one of the owners emerged i, I wouldn't complain i just have my favorite how about the sen- how about the senior as a senior there's there's lots of really good candidates uh, you could go one old time from the you know the Dukes later era but if they picked two modern guys you know i i liked ones that have been mentioned a lot like robert brazil who is a seven time pro bowler but i also prefer uh randy who who is a defensive player of the year he was a second runner up at different time i mean nobody's had more votes from the AP, in that Defensive Player of the Year, who's not in the Hall of Fame, than then Randy. Uh, well, there's a couple that had more votes, but they're all, Ray Lewis and Ed Reed, they're gonna just kinda walk in the Hall of Fame when their times come. So I think that would be a kind of a nice, all mid-decade thing, where you have guys that were dominant between 75 and 85. But again, if they come up with uh, some of these other names that have been mentioned, I would be happy with those as well. John.
5: Who are the two most obvious, I guess, um, afterthoughts? Guys that aren't in the in the Hall of Fame that should be in the Hall of Fame. The two most obvious candidates.
3: Do you mean uh, the, of the modern guys or of the of the senior? Category? Anywhere,
5: if you if you had, it gave you a free pass, put two guys in. Who would you put in?
3: Well, I'm a huge huge fan of Brian Dawkins, and I was surprised he didn't get in right away. But I can understand that you know he was kind of put back. A year, it just happens with defensive backs and safeties uh, for whatever reason. You've written about that plenty of times, so yes. I, I would give him that, you know, immediate pass. And one that doesn't seem to get a lot of traction, and and I I wrote about him a little bit, but I I guess I need to do more. Would be Bryant Young. He was a contemporary of of Warren Sapp. He had more tackles behind the line of scrimmage than Warren. Uh, he was only five sacks behind, and he didn't play that three technique where he's always, or usually on the weak side and also on the outside shoulder of the guard. He's a guy that shifted left or right. So if, the, if it was an over shift to the opposite side, he had to play that shade technique over the center. And if it was that they decided to reverse that, then he would play the three technique. So to me, he was kind of the... Uh, the guy that played it like Merlin Olson did, or like Joe Green did, just a solid all-around guy, not just an up-the-field rusher.
0: Let well, me go back to George Young for a minute, because uh, two things, a couple things, strike me about him when I think about him, at least based on my recollection and knowledge. What exactly did he do? You know, did he make the final call on the draft? No. Did he make the final calls on the roster? No. So, if he was an executive doing those things in Kansas City, is he five times executive of the year? No. So if you want to put a referee in, which is what he really was, why don't we put in Art McNally? I mean, what did he do that, that makes him Hall of Fame worthy?
3: Well, you ask a very good question, and if, if that's what we're going to do, then you're going to open up the can of the worms like of, uh, you know, what do these owners do? I nothing. do nothing. I know we get, the, I know <laughs> they we do get the argument they were on this committee and they were on that committee, but that's such a nebulous thing. I mean, if you were going to ask me about owners, and I don't care if it's Pat Bolin or if it's going to be Jerry Jones, I'm I'm against it on principle, but if they're going to put them in, and if they're going to get that kind of traction, then you've got to attach some achievements to their name, and that's what these awards are, and that's what the uh, the things are when you get in this committee or that committee. And you know, I guess Jerry Jones saved the game from demise in 1993, from what it sounded like this last two weeks ago.
4: Yeah, and also I think with with George, I mean, as you mentioned, um, five-time executive of the year, but. I think the reason was was because he put the the Giants back on the map like Ron Wolf did with the Packers, and if Ron Wolf was in for doing that with the Packers, I mean George took a team that was down and out and and got him in there with hiring a Bill Parcells um, smart draft moves. I know Goose will say Tom Boyster might have been uh, more involved, but I think he he oversaw the resurrection of a franchise that had once been great
3: and became great again yeah and i and i wouldn 't mind an official either there was uh a gentleman who used to write uh, books back in the 70s, Jack uh, Clary, and sure. one of the first times, I've, yeah, you, you, I'm sure you guys know him. And mm-hmm. one of the first things he he told me about the Hall of Fame is says it was for players, coaches, and officials. And he said it in that deep, booming voice. And at that time, in 1997, when I met him, I really didn't know that. So at that time, I started to look at which officials might have been, and I looked at the ones who wrote books. But you know, I would have no problem with the McNally or some of these other guys that. Uh, Made, it, made an impact on the game.
5: John, where, oh, where is Bucko Kilroy in this process?
3: As a combination or as a... As a as Hall a of Famer. As a Hall
5: of Famer. As a Hall of Famer.
3: Well, he, he's, he's in the, the scrap heap with, you know, Lavi Dilwig and with uh, Duke Slater and Al Wistert, and he was part of uh, the Suicide Squad. There's a defensive unit you don't hear about much anymore or, or help, you know. Coach and develop those guys in the in the that had uh, Norm Willie, so he's just one of those that's lost in history.
0: Do you think he's? But do you think he's uh, deserving?
3: Sure, I would put him in, and he was director of scouting for a, a team that was really built on on tremendous drafts. You know, we're talking in the 70s with the Patriots. Am I right?
0: Right. No, oh, that's exactly right. And he and he served from everything I've been told, similar role with Dallas, even though others have gotten some.
3: I, I believe Credit he's the one who kind of taught Dick Steinberg how to get things done as well, and he remember, was one of those names. That remember, was a kind of a hot, hot guy, and then sure. kind of fell apart—not fell apart, but you know, he faded away uh, due to a premature death. But he was part right. of the the Patriots, and then the Rams, and then the Jets, and it was kind of a sad ending. But he was another one of those executive types that did have control of the draft.
4: Well, John, I'm glad you mentioned that about his playing background, because when Goose asked you, you talked about him as a player. And we're supposed to consider these guys either as a player or as, you know, a a GM or a coach or whatever. And when Dick LeBeau came up, they said he's got to be considered as a player or as a coach. And they considered him as a a player. Of course, he got in as player reputation and, and credentials. But what I don't understand is why can't it be both? I mean, why shouldn't Dick LeBeau be considered as a player and a coach? Why shouldn't Bucko Kilroy be considered as a player and a front office uh, genius. Why, why can't he be both? And, and yet it's not that way.
3: I think in the voting it's not that way, and maybe that's just the way the Hall of Fame feels like they have to do it to keep closer control of the voting process. However, uh, I, think, I think those things are written into their bios when they do get into the Hall of Fame. I don't think you could write a story about Dick LeBeau without talking about his coaching. I don't think you could talk about John Madden without his uh, superior television work that really did help the, the game grow in the 80s. Even though it was an upward arc, Madden's TV, I think, really did help him, at least in garnering votes. Maybe he wasn't considered a TV personality and so forth, but I think it helped.
0: I think you're right about that. Uh, I think that you're exactly right about that. Uh, and if he didn't have that, he might not be, uh, might not be in there at all. Uh, one guy who's going to be a hot uh, commodity is Randy Moss. We we all we don't have to go over the history of Terrell Owens, but we know what what's happened there. How do the voters who are voted against Terrell Owens vote for Randy
3: Moss? Oh, I think there are a couple of distinct differences. One is that Moss, even though Moss has his own knocks, those knocks are that he would play when he wanted to play. That um, you know he wasn't real real keen in giving up a you know a certain cannabis habit. We don't know exactly what happened with that, but. You know, off the record, I'll tell you one of those things, one of these days. But he also was not known as a bad teammate. It was just that he would not run out all his plays. Uh, Guys just didn't despise him. And as we learned with, uh, and I I don't know if you saw the post, I tracked the drops for all these guys. And by far, Terrell Owens dropped the most passes of all these great receivers, probably more than anybody, even of the non-great receivers. So Moss had terrific hands. So if you want to put him in first... I think it could easily be done, but I think the best way to do it that would serve justice, and this is just a personal opinion, put Terrell Owens this year, Randy Moss next year. That way neither one's the first ballot because neither one was close enough to Jerry Rice to warrant that kind of consideration. That's just me.
4: Yeah, you just ruined my day, John. (laughs) I'm
3: sorry. Hey, John Turney. I'll never be a voter, so what I say has really little impact on anything.
0: (laughs) You make a good argument, though.
3: Hey, John,
4: thanks so much for the time, as always, and uh, we'll talk with you soon. All right, thanks much. That was NFL Story and John Turney of Pro Football Journal. Up next, a man who might have something to say about the seniors. That would be Hall of Fame defensive tackle Curly Culp. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. This is Mike Pereira of Fox Sports. When you want the right call, do what I do. Listen to the Talk of Fame Network. Now, the reminder that the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Geico Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com.
2: Hi, this is
3: Joe Klecko, and you're listening to the Talk of Fame Network.
4: We're also brought to you by Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. Turn your mobile phone into a business phone system with Grasshopper and get a local or toll-free number, or just bring your own. To see how it works, just go to grasshopper.com.
2: Hi, this is Morton Anderson, and you're listening to Rick, Ron, and Clark. Uh, the talk of fame network
1: progressive brings you flowetry with flow
8: the better you drive the more you save bears and bats they live in a cave but that's irrelevant here so back to the subject we steer snapshot saves you money when you drive safe i wear corduroy pants i don't mind that they chafe
1: The better you drive, the more you can save. With Snapshot from Progressive. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in all states or from all agents. Hey, it's Jim. I can't take your call right now. I'm digging for oil in my basement to help pay for my family's mobile bill. A little crazy, you say? (laughs) You try getting a data plan that has enough gigs for my family. And I thought braces were expensive. We definitely need a switch.
9: Stuck in a dysfunctional family plan? Switch to Boost Best Family Plan right now and get four lines for just $25 per line, each with unlimited gigs. With MetroPCS, you only get 2 gigs per line for the same price. Plus, switch today and get up to 4 free phones, all on the fast and reliable Sprint Nationwide Network. Boost makes it easy to switch. Switching makes it easy to save.
10: Offer ends nine ten seventeen. Requires one line to port in. Lines include unlimited data, talk, and text. Video streams optimized at up to 480p plus resolution. Music up to 500 kilobits per second and cloud gaming up to 2 megabits per second. Data prioritization applies during congestion. Comparison based on MetroPCS's 2 gigabyte promo plan as of four twenty five seventeen. 17 For additional details, visit their website. Free While supplies last, requires port-in and activation on $100 plan. Coverage and offers not available everywhere. Restrictions apply.
9: Fueling the American spirit. A good night's
1: sleep starts with the right pillow. That's where MyPillow comes in, and now for a limited time, just go to MyPillow.com, click the Radio Listener Special tab, and use promo code SKY to get two premium king or queen pillows and two additional go-anywhere travel pillows, all for 50% off and free shipping. That's MyPillow.com, promo code SKY, or call 1-800-635-1825. 1-800-635-1825.
6: Hi, Tom Baudet. trying to align my chakras around this hot yoga thing. Yep, they finally found a way to make working out even more uncomfortable. Well, at least with Motel 6, you've got one less thing to sweat. They've got clean, comfortable, and now completely updated rooms at a great low price. So the only thing you're stretching is your dollar. Sounds like my kind of place to namaste. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light and the AC on for you. Book online at motel6.com.
7: This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and Clark Judge.
4: Just a reminder, the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by GEICO, where just 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. More details, go to geico.com. And you probably should have gone 15 minutes ago. Our next guest is considered the greatest nose tackle of the 3-4 defensive era and has a bust in Canton to prove it. Curly Cole played alongside another Hall of Fame tackle, Buck Buchanan, in the 4-3 scheme of the Kansas City Chiefs, then was traded to Houston in the mid-1970s. Bob Phillips was implementing his 3-4 scheme there and moved Curly to nose where he became a force-winning NFL Defensive Player of the Year in 1975 with 11 and a half sacks. Curly was voted to five Pro Bowls in his 14 year career and received his bust at Canton in 2013. And today, well, today he is joining us. Curly, thanks so much for being here. Oh, thank you.
2: Pleasure to be here.
5: Curly, you are an NCAA wrestling champion at Arizona State. I know NFL yeah. scouts favor players who, along the interior lines, have wrestling backgrounds. So, how did your experience on the wrestling mat benefit, benefit you in your football career?
2: You know, I, I think there are certain elements for success on the wrestling mats that may be helpful on the football field. And what comes to mind is the quickness, agility, leverage, and footwork I think necessary to become the best athlete on the mat on any given time. So I think all of these factors could be transferred to the game of football to enhance interior line play.
0: Funny. it's uh, Fred Smarles, you know, who was another Of course, he was a wrestling champion too. He says the same thing, that uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, wrestling absolutely. really – Uh, translated to to that position. You know, Clark pointed out that you played tackle in the 4-3 and also, of course, uh, nose tackle in the 3-4. Which was more challenging for you, and which did you prefer playing?
2: Well, that's an easy question to answer, given the fact that, you know, I played left tackle for the traditional 3-4 alignment compared to the nose tackle, position covering the center in a 3-4 defense. You know, the responsibilities are rather different in the sense of the number of offensive linemen you have to manage once the ball is snapped. So, in the three-four alignment, your activities generally involve the athlete in front of you, and occasionally a down block from that uh, from the from the offensive uh, end, but. In the three-four alignment, you you engage the center as your first responsibility, but occasionally you are double team or triple team, and sometimes you even get a block from the tight end. So I I would say that the the three-four alignment is over overwhelmingly probably the the, the worst position to play.
4: <laughs> we're, we're speaking with the Hall of Fame defensive tackle Curly yeah, really cool. yeah, yeah. <laughs> who yeah. played the worst position you have to play on <laughs> the defense on the Talk of Fame Network. Yeah, it's
2: very it's very demanding to say the least.
4: Yeah, it sounds yeah. like it. Um, <laughs> anyway, you can find us uh, or you can find us on Twitter at talkofamenet. And Curly, uh, you picked up a Super Bowl ring with the sixty-nine Chiefs in their final oh. game ever played by an NFL team, and that was that oh, twenty-three to yeah. that twenty-three-seven Super Bowl victory over the Vikings. I'm sure you remember that. Um, oh yeah. You had you had five Hall of Famers on that defense, including yourself. Why were yeah. you a two-touchdown underdog?
2: You know, I, I don't know. I, I you know I was very blessed. To have been surrounded by great players, and several of them been in the Hall of Fame, as you had mentioned. But before the Super Bowl game, uh, we, the team traveled to Santa Monica for a weekend of surf and turf, so to speak, you know, where, where we, uh, we kind of had football, we, we kind of consumed and watched a lot of film. And, and we, we felt that going into that, we realized that if we perform at our very best, we had a good chance to be successful in, as a team, and that turned out to be the case.
5: Curly, you were a key figure in that surf ball. Hank, and the defensive coaches, of course, slid you to nose tackle to go head-to-head with Minnesota's Hall of Fame center Mick Tangeloff. You had almost uh-huh. a 40-pound edge on Tanglehoff, and he couldn't handle you. How did you feel about that matchup heading into the game?
2: Well, you know, um, you know I felt great going into the game knowing that, that I was surrounded by my teammates to help matters if I, if I needed help. And the fact that the weight differential between me and Mike Tinglehoff, I think the advantage is probably swayed probably to my side a little bit. But the coaches prepared as well for that contest, and the only thing that I had to do was go out and play the game to the best of my ability. And so it was an exciting game to be a part of, and I cherished the moments shared with the teammates to become the Super Bowl champs. It was an outstanding feeling. You know, this, that was my second year and you know, in the hall, in the um, and that's the football league. So it was a very special time, a special period in my life. I mean, we you got know, close a couple of times with, with the Houston Oilers, but that was the only uh, Super Bowl championship game.
5: You know, both the Packers and Vikings said that they'd never seen a team as big as the Chiefs in those two Super Bowls.
2: <laughs> yeah, they had, we had a we had a great team. I mean, with their offensive line was huge, tall guys. You know, like you know, Mo Mormon, uh, Jim Tyre, uh, uh, Ed Buddy, and. Uh, it was another Dave uh named Dave Hill. So they were tall and good and good and good weight. And so, you know, uh, Hank had that philosophy that the offensive line would stand up, you know, and then the, he would call the play and then they stand back down to give a distraction for the defense. And then on defense we had that, that thing called the triple where we would slide one way or the other depending on the offensive formation. And oftentimes I ended up with Mike Tinglehoff. I think a lot of people think that well we I was zone in on the center, but i don't really I don't think that was the case. I think what happened is that because of what was called in the, in the defensive huddle, that basically shifted me to be on the notes and and we had a good a good time with it
0: When you win the super Bowl in in your second year as a player, uh i I would think there's probably a tendency to think. Oh man, this is this is great! You know, we win championships year after year after year, and it didn't quite work yeah. out that way. Were you like that? I mean, as a young kid, do you think, man, this is we're going to just win forever? And did it? How long did it take for you realize this is really hard to to win this thing?
2: Well, <laughs> very quickly. I mean, was, you know, I had an opportunity, like I said earlier. You know, a lot of those gentlemen that were on the team with me, they played in Super Bowl one. And I wasn't part of that. And they knew that it would cherish those moments and play the best of your ability because you never knew when that opportunity would come again. So it was uh, it was a great, great experience, and I enjoyed it tremendously.
4: We're speaking with Hall of Fame defensive tackle Curly Culp on the Talk of Fame Network, and you can find us at talkoffamenetwork.com or on Twitter at, at Talk of Fame Net. and Curly. Those 69 Chiefs, th- that defense, that was terrific. You mentioned five Hall of Famers. The last defense mm-hmm. to lead a league across the board in all four major statistical categories, run, pass, total, and scoring defense. And yet, you know, what you, when you hear people talk about great defenses, you talk about the Steel Curtain, 85 Bears, 2,000 Ravens, but they almost never mention that defense. Um, how good was it? Where does it belong in, in history? And, and why don't people think more about it uh, than, they, than they do? Why don't they talk more about that defense? and uh other the other ones uh, eighty five bears you know, i don't I
2: don't know Ryan, but uh, the record we accomplished as a team that year was great, and to be a part of that history makes me feel very special and we had a great group of athletes, and the uh, the chiefs organization put it together and so we just had to go out and perform we had uh you know guys on the team that we messed well together and played you know, great as, as a team, offense, defense, and special teams. We had some, a lot of specialists on that team, and we, and we and we you know,
4: we did well. Well, a, a question I've got for you because Rick and Ron are on the phone here, and, and I want to ask you about the, uh, the senior committee, which is coming up. Rick and Ron are both okay. on the senior committee, and, and so mm-hmm. th- there are two players we want to ask you about who are front front burner candidates for future senior committee nominations. First, of course, <laughs> was safety on that Kansas City team, and that's Johnny Robinson. Um, mm-hmm. What was his contribution to that defense that made him Hall of Fame
2: worthy? Well, Johnny Robinson, as you know, he was he was a great leader and teammate, and I think he's deserving for consideration. You know, he was a seven-time All-Pro from the Dallas Texans and the Chiefs, and his contribution with the Chief team for over I guess over a period of decade was remarkable. And so, in my opinion, I, he's truly worthy for becoming a Hall of Famer and joining others from the Chief team in the Hall. Johnny was a he was a spark, he was a spark plug in the, in the uh, on the offense and he kind of you know basically kept us on the same page play after play.
5: Curly, the other guy we want to ask you about is your former Oilers teammate Robert Brazil, Dr. Doom.
2: Like mm-hmm. Robertson's all no decade selection. Yes. Yeah.
5: He's yet to make yeah. it the big room as a finalist. He's been waiting 20 year 28 years now. What made him a deserving Hall of Fame candidate?
2: You know, I would love for Robert to become a hall of famer you know he's he's a seven-time pro bowler appearance, nfl defensive rookie of the year 1975 and all nfl decade team of the 70s are just a few of his accomplishments you know you know i've had an opportunity to play with robert and, and with the houston allers and watch him become one of the best outside linebackers of, of his era you know he could pass rush he could blitz and he had the ability to cover running back out of the backfield you know he was the total package he also makes the all-nickname team,
4: Dr. Doom. <laughs> Dr. Doom, yeah, wasn't,
0: that's
2: something, isn't it? It's <laughs> a great one. <laughs> the kind of stuff, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Those oil teams. Yours, of course, played in the same division with the Steelers. Uh, you finished second to Pittsburgh in 78 and 79. Uh-huh. You lost to them yeah. in the AFC title games those two years. I was at both those games, and I know that they're still arguing about whether or not uh, I think it was uh, Renfro's catch Renfro. should have been touched out or not, you know, and all all that. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. How frustrating was it to be that close twice and not quite be able to get past those Steelers teams? Or maybe well, one time you didn't, you didn't get credit for it.
2: Yeah, well, you know, it was a difficult pill to swallow, but that's football, you know. In retrospect, the Steelers were a good foe, and we uh, had to be our very best to win. Unfortunately, we did not get the job done. The refreshing and unbelievable event that happened in the Astrodome was remarkable. After we lost that game in Pittsburgh, when thousands of fans came out to support us, How, you know that really stands out as one of the more, more memorable occasions for me, being a, a you know a Houston or coming back to the city. They filled the Astrodome to celebrate after we lost the contest. How amazing was that, you know? Yeah, I've got one, you- one other
4: question for you on, on today's on today's game, which is. Um, The NFL, as you know now, has limitations on hitting in practice. Mm -hmm. salary cap has made teams fear contact. So there's really little hitting done during the week in today's NFL. And that's not the case when you played. How was it standing in the middle of that Houston defense in practice and having to face Earl
2: Campbell every day? (laughs) What a question. You know, Earl Campbell was a great running back for the the Oilers. And the thing about uh, Bum Phillips, I think his philosophy was that the number one defense – and the number one offense rarely had the opportunity to experiment against each other because he wanted to have a full team came game day, you know. <laughs> but to watch <laughs> Earl practice, just as he played, was a, was a quality that I could not match. He was one of the greatest running backs of his era. Quite a man.
5: Curly, Joe, Culp, uh, excuse me, Joe Klecko is another player under consideration by the senior committee. He's tempted to yeah. join you as a second nose tackle mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. game's modern era in Canton. You know, the 3-4 defense has been around for the better part of four decades now, but the nose tackle just doesn't garner much love from the committee. What Mm -hmm. are the selectors missing at that position?
2: You know, I'm not sure, Rick, but I know this, that the nose tackle position in the 3-4 defense is critical to the success of that defense. And um, if you do not have an athlete that can manage the traffic in the middle, and, and the defense will fail. And Joe Clacko played, I think he played during the same time the same era as I, as I did. And he was one of the best. And I think he should be considered for enshrinement into the Pro Football Hall of Fame.
0: One quick question. You were uh, either doomed or honored to play in two of the great rivalries. Chiefs against the Raiders hated each other. Steelers, yeah. Oilers uh, at that time hated each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Who hated who who more? Did you, did you hate <laughs> the Steelers more or did well, you hate the Raiders more? <laughs>
2: well, you know, they, uh, the uh, Chiefs and the Raiders, all, we had some great contests. And so, I don't know if it was a hate thing. It's just that we respected each other tremendously. And we knew that going into, uh, you know, raider country or them coming into chief country, that it was going to be one of those knockdown and drag outs kind of battles. And we always had a, had a great time of it.
4: Curly Culp, thanks so much for the time and thanks so much for the memories. Really appreciate it. Curly. You bet. All right, you bet. Thanks, Curly. That was Hall of Fame defensive tackle Curly Culp. Up next, it's the two-minute drill. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network.
5: Hey, this is Vince Papawi from Invincible, and you're listening to the Talk of Fame Network, an Invincible team for sure.
4: Now, the reminder that the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Geico Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com.
2: This (laughs) is Robert. Some of you know me as Dr. Doom Brazil, and we're on the Talk of Fame Network.
4: We're also brought to you by Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. Turn your mobile phone into a business phone system with Grasshopper and get a local or toll-free number or just bring your own. To see how it works, just go to grasshopper.com. This is Lynn Swan, and you're listening to Talk of Fame Network.
6: Hi, Tom Bodette. Apparently, the hip thing for businesses to do these days is target millennials. So it may sound sus coming from this baby boomer, but Motel 6 is a V-great place for your squad to stay woke or asleep. The updated rooms are hashtag blessed with contemporary floors, bedding, and flat-screen TVs that are totally on fleek. Plus, their prices are always low AF. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll keep it lit for you. Book online at motel6.com.
7: This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges. Cannot play with them. Rick Goslin Cannot win with them. And Clark Judge.
6: Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. I want winners.
4: Talk of Fame Network's brought to you by our winner. That'd be GEICO, where just 15 minutes can save you 50% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to GEICO.com. And you should have gone 15 minutes ago. That's well, that's the signal that we're headed to our two-minute drill brought to you each week by Burger King Breakfast. And this week's two-minute drill, yep, it's brought to you by our Rick Goslin. So, Goose, let's get started.
5: Which AFC team has done the best job of unloading its best players in 2017, the Bills or the Jets?
4: Jets. Can't in fine. Fireman Ed in the program.
5: Yeah, Jets had started early and had more talent to unload, but the Bills did a better job of screwing their quarterback. <laughs> Michael Bennett and Marshall Lynch were sitting during the National Anthem this preseason. By how many players will that number swell by the start of the season?
4: I have no idea, but there'd be no problem, Goose, if the NFL outlawed benches.
5: By a lot more than the NFL would like to see. (laughs) After their Roberto Aguayo disaster in Tampa, will an NFL team ever use another draft pick on a kicker?
4: Yes, sir. Las Vegas for the Raiderettes.
5: Wrong. But surely they will, because there's always the Jets. Without Andrew Luck, the Colts say they are fine at quarterback with Scott Tolzien. So who would you rather have at QB, Tolzien or Colin Kaepernick?
4: Kaepernick, especially in the victory formation. Tolzien, eh, he hasn't done much since the Lord of the Rings trilogy.
5: I'd rather have Colin Coward than Scott Tolzien. Spike Lee is going to stage a rally for Kaepernick next week at the NFL offices. What do you guesstimate the crowd size?
4: Two, with Spike the only one standing.
5: I think it depends on whether the All-Right shows up or not. Drew Brees, Drew
0: Carey, or Carey Russell?
4: Bill Russell, because I'd never lose.
0: Ooh, good one. Mariah Carey, singing the anthem, everyone would be standing up.
5: What can we read into Seattle's 48-17 shellacking of the Chargers on the opening preseason weekend?
4: Zilch. There's a reason they're called exhibition games, Goose.
5: I don't agree. I would say there's nothing we could read because we already knew the Chargers stink. The Chargers say first on draft pick, Mike Williams will be ready in October. Will that be soon enough for his hands to save the franchise's return to L.A.?
4: No, no, sirree. The hands of God couldn't do that.
5: Let me tell you, no one in
0: L.A. knows who Mike Williams is or why the Chargers are there. <laughs>
5: <laughs> who is Kenny Galladay, and how did he last until the third round of the 2017 draft?
4: Who should you know? He's the brother of former Dallas columnist Randy Galladay. Everyone knows Randy. Kenny, <laughs> yeah, not so much.
0: Grant Prairie. He's a 6'4 rookie out of Northern Illinois. He runs a four-five and beat another rookie corner for a highlight play in August. Other than that, who knows?
4: It's going to do it for the first half of our show, but stay where you are. We'll be back with more on the class of 2018. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network.
10: Welcome to Geico's Motorcycle Meanderings. Oh, man, this is great. I sure saved a lot of money by switching to Geico. I scored some big savings, and now I can use their mobile app 24-7 for all sorts of stuff. Life just makes sense now. You know what doesn't make sense? If a car is called a horseless carriage, why isn't a motorcycle called a horseless horse? Hmm. Maybe it would just be adding insult to injury for the out-of-work horses. Geico Motorcycle. Savings that make sense.
1: There's people who care where I'm going And good friends who welcome me home So get a phone And will a full tank of freedom by your own highway will take you wherever you go.
9: Marathon, fueling the American spirit. A
1: good night's sleep starts with the right pillow. That's where MyPillow comes in, and now for a limited time, just go to MyPillow.com, click the Radio Listener Special tab, and use promo code SKY to get two premium king or queen pillows and two additional go-anywhere travel pillows, all for 50% off and free shipping. That's MyPillow.com, promo code SKY, or call 1-800-635-1825. 1-800-635-1825.
6: Hi, Tom Bodette. According to the dad bod craze, the lumpy, less-than-chiseled look is now totally in. So you could say I'm in the best shape of my life, and so is Motel 6. They've updated their properties nationwide with contemporary everything, still for the same low price you've come to expect. So your wallet can feel a little pleasantly plump, too. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com. You are listening to the Talk of Fame Network. this thing on? Because it's getting ready to be on. With Ron Borges. I'm funny
8: how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown. I amuse you. I make you laugh.
10: Rick Gosselin. No, 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 no. There's two O's in Goose, boy. And Clark Judge. Hold the Home,
6: hold the roll, hold the
4: Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by GEICO, where just 15 minutes can save you 50% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com, and you should have gone 15 minutes ago. Welcome back to hour number two of the Talk of Fame Network. And I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but the best-known clock in the world, and that would be the one you're listening to, Big Ben in London, it's shutting down for repairs for what I think, I think it's something like four years I mean, a true story. I mean, anyway, that's going to happen next Monday, and that's August 21st, too. Nice Monday, a lot going on there. It got me to thinking, we're talking about the Hall of Fame class of 2018, right? And, and the clock's ticking on them. I can hear it right now. There are a couple of guys whose modern era candidates, their candidacies, they're winding down, too. But unlike Big Ben, the clock, I, I don't know that they're ever going to be back in business. And and. Goose, I'll start with you. We're talking about running back Roger Craig. He's one of them, offensive tackle Joe Jacoby. Their eligibility is modern year candidates, they expired in 2018, which means, of course, which means they're not elected next summer. They and co, gay go into the abyss that is the senior pool. So does either of these guys make it in the next vote?
5: Well, let me say this, Clark. There's more than that. Everson Walls, Bill Frelick, Phil Sims are all guys in their last year of eligibility. None of those three have ever been discussed. Walls, only corner to lead the NFL in interceptions three times. Freilich in all-decade selection. Sims quarterback, Giants, two Super Bowls. No discussion. Nada. Craig has been in the room at least once, and that was 2010. That leaves Jacoby. He's got the best chance of all these guys because he's been a finalist the last two years. He's been in the discussion.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree. I think uh, Craig Starr is kind of novaed a bit. You know, he's a really good player. But he's 44th all-time in rushing. He's uh, 67th in all-purpose yards, and that's really what his thing was. And there's guys ahead of him like Maurice Jones-Drew, Ernest Biner, Greg Pruitt, Mel Gray, and I don't think anybody thinks those guys are Hall of Famers. I think he's the Hall of Very Good, which quite frankly means you were very good, but I think he just missed
4: the Hall of Fame. Except he was a fullback for part of his career and then a halfback for other parts, so that cost him. But quick question, Goose. Anyone that you mentioned here, including Craig, Jacoby, any of those guys' walls, do they ever get elected? Any of those guys ever get elected?
5: Oh, I, I think Jacoby, eventually. I, I, w- I, I would hope Freyla comes out first-team all-decade guy, but who knows? That senior pool is an abyss.
4: Okay, well, this is an abyss. There's a commercial coming up, guys. I don't want to start talking about the Hall of Fame class of 2018, so you know what? We're not going to. There's more when we return right after this. You're listening to the Talk Fame Network.
10: Progressive presents Mind Flowness with Flow. You are in the driver's seat In
8: complete control, in life and on the road. Your driving record is impeccable. And for this, you are greatly rewarded with Snapshot from Progressive. You use your savings to buy a world's best driver t-shirt. It runs a little small.
10: The more righteous you drive, the more you can save. With Snapshot from Progressive. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates. Snapshot not available in all states or from all agents.
7: This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. What the hell are we waiting on? Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges. Do you want it or not? Rick Goslin.
6: Do you understand there's a price to pay? And
7: Clark Judge.
6: Can we have fun? You're damn right. I demand that we have fun.
4: Hey, Rick Goslin. Yes, sir. If you understand there's a price to pay, what does it mean... When Geico says just 15 minutes can save you 15 percent on car insurance,
5: or more, that means Ryan will be back in 15 minutes after he gets off the phone.
4: That's why he's Doctor Data. The man knows all. Listen to him, or go to Geico.com, and you should have gone 15 minutes ago. Hey, Goose. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, I, I know you're going to Kent next week to vote on the two senior candidates for the class of 2018. Uh, you're one of five people in that room. And uh, you're going to be in that room most of the day on August 24th. Good luck. Yeah. Um, we ran a poll last month, as anyone who looks at our website, talkoffamenetwork.com, knows. And the one, one senior candidate our readers thought was most Hall of Fame worthy, as you know, um, wasn't close. It was Jerry Kramer. And it was Jerry Kramer in a landslide. So, Goose, what are the chances when you go to Kent next week that you give the people what they want.
5: You know, Kramer won the landslide a year ago. St. Paul didn't have an impact. You know, I think the fact there are two seniors in this year's class will help. Like I said, repeatedly, everyone in the senior pool is a long shot. Jerry's been a 10-time finalist for the Hall, including once as a senior. So many of the players in the senior pool have never been finalists a single time. I think that works against Jerry. What works for him is he is the most glaring omission from Kent.
4: Okay, we mentioned one in Lansdowne He won 86% of the vote this year. Andy Russell, he was second with six. <laughs> 6%. And Johnny Robinson was third with two. Uh, Goose, do any of these top three any of the top three make it this year?
5: Yeah, after Kramer, I think Robinson may be the second greatest admission from Canton. You know, if Kenny Easley, in fact, kicked the door open for safeties a year ago, then Robinson has a real shot. But but to be honest with you, you know, we're a week out. I haven't even seen a list of 15 finalists yet, uh, so so okay. much of this is just speculation.
4: Okay, Ron, uh, let's just assume that these three guys are on that list. Would you vote one of them in?
5: Well, yeah. I mean, uh,
0: you know, I think they're all worthy candidates, and, and you know, we've talked before about Kramer and Robinson, and I'm high on both of those guys. My problem with Kramer, however, and this is hard for me to say because I've been pushing him for a long time, but with the senior pool so deep, you do have to begin (coughs) to ask yourself, if you're on that committee, is it fair to all the other guys Mm -hmm. to bring him out again? You know, that's no reflection on Jerry Kramer uh, or his credentials, because you know that I think it's ridiculous that he hasn't been in there a long time ago, but the voters keep speaking and at some point you have to be responsive to to just the reality. Somehow, some way, there's 10 votes against him. Uh, So what are we doing?
4: Yeah, but you brought back guys before. I think Dick Dixon was the most recent. I think uh, that were voted down. and You brought him back again, and was Stanfield was that three times?
5: Three times, only three, three times, times. Yeah, yeah.
4: Right. Um, but so you've done that before. My, my question, have. and Goose, I'll, I'll ask you this, because and Ron, you can weigh in on this as well. But I'm just wondering how someone who was voted as the only guard, the only guard on the 50th anniversary team, could fail to be in the Hall. I mean, how can he fail to be in there when he was voted down, you know, ten times, including nine as a modern era candidate? I don't. I just don't get that. How can he? I mean, he, he was. The 50th anniversary only guard. I mean, you going to tell me, Goose, that the only Hall of Fame worthy guards are, are after Jerry Kramer? Well, well, he wasn't really the only
5: guard named to that team. Danny Fortman and Jim Parker also were selected to that team, and both have been enshrined. But Kramer was named as the best guard in the game's first 50 years, and that's the sticking point. I, I can't explain it. I wasn't in the room the first eight or nine times Kramer was a finalist. But to me, again, he's the most glaring omission.
4: Yeah. I mean, Bron, how do you overcome that? I mean, the best well, guard in the first 50 years.
5: I, I agree. Look, I agree with you. You guys have heard me you know,
0: pontificate about before. It's baffling to me, and it's it should be baffling to the Hall of Fame because they either stand by their team or they don't, and they're the want yeah, that picked right. it. But having said that, how many times do you get to go back when there's clearly, you know, at some point, if you keep bringing a, a guy back, in this situation, I think it's pretty disrespectful to the other voters, right. it is you it yeah, saying you 10 right. or 12 or however many guys there are, don't know what you're doing. Right. Uh, and maybe they don't. Certainly we feel that way. But at some point, every time you bring him forward, there's another guy whose head goes underwater back there in the, in, yeah, in right. in the Lake of Doom.
4: Yeah. Uh, although the, the, the voters do change. I mean, not dramatically, but they do change over the years. Well, that's
0: the thing that concerns me about Kramer. The voters have changed, and they keep knocking him down.
4: Yeah. So right.
0: Maybe I'm missing the train.
4: I don't know. Okay. Gooseman, uh, handicap the field for the two senior spots if you can. I realize you haven't seen that list, but who are the frontrunners?
5: Well, in my book, Cramer and Robinson are near the top. Uh, I think Robert Brazil has some steam. Ken Anderson, Alex Karras, all deserve a term as a finalist. But, hey, there are 26 established franchises in the NFL. Every one of them has a guy not in that they f- firmly believe should be a slam dunk for Canton. If they can only get into the room, so there are at least 26 great candidates that we should discuss.
0: Yeah, well, Goose is right. Uh, you know, the Gooseman knows. I have twist his arm on this all the time. Duke Slater is the guy I think that has great historical impact. Was a great player, uh, overcame quote unquote the fact that you know he was a black player when they uh, decided to segregate the league. But he was so good, they decided. Well, maybe he's more Indian than he is black. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, well, <laughs> the only kind of thing you can do in America is things that are just ludicrous. So, he, you know, he was the, you know, one of the last, the last, I believe, African-American player playing. He was just too good. He was too good. You know, if you're that good. And get this. The first two years he was eligible, he was a finalist. And then he disappeared. I don't know how the
5: heck that happened.
11: Yeah. This is Rob Gronkowski, and you're listening to the Talk of Fame Network.
4: Where'd that guy come from? My man! <laughs> He's over there with Ty Law. <laughs> Ty's got him covered, too. You know where he should be? He should be over there with Rondé Barber, not Ty Law. Because Rondé is actually the subject of this week's "State Your Case, brought to you by Progressive, where customers can switch to Progressive and save as much as $600. Wow, that's a lot of money. Just click on Progressive.com today. Find out if you can save hundreds on car insurance. Anyway, Goose, as I mentioned, uh, you want to make the case, not for a senior candidate here, but for a guy who appears on the ballot for the first time in 2018, and that is cornerback Rondé Barber, go
5: ahead. Yeah, Ray Lewis and Brian Urlacher are other defensive headliners for this uh, first-time slate of eligibles for the Class 2018, but Tampa Bay corner Rondé Barber has a resume that deserves to be looked at. There's a completeness to a game that few can match, and he's accomplished feats that very few defensive backs can match. He was a four-down player who made plays on both sides of the line of scrimmage in addition to the kicking game, and he made those plays for a long time. He played 16 seasons with the Bucks, started more games than all but two defensive backs in NFL history, and more games at corner than all but one Hall of Famer Daryl Green. Barber also started more consecutive games, 200 of them, than any cornerback in NFL history. He's the only defender in history with at least 45 career interceptions and 25 sacks. If he wasn't tackling quarterbacks in the pocket, he was intercepting them downfield and he wasn't just tackling quarterbacks. He was a willing run defender. In fact, he's a rare cornerback in NFL history with membership in the 1,000 Tackle Club. He evolved into an offensive weapon on the defensive side of the ball, scoring 14 career touchdowns on eight interceptions, four fumbles, and two block kicks. He also blocked two kicks. He led the NFL in the interceptions with 10 in 20, 2001 on his way to the first of his five Pro Bowls. His 47 career interceptions are a franchise record and he was named to the NFL's All-Decade team for the 2000s. He started at three different positions in his career, both left and right corner plus safety in his final season. The Bucks led the NFL in both defense with Barber at right cornerback in 2002 and in pass defense with him at left corner in 2007. Tackle Warren Sapp and outside linebacker Derek Brooks both became first ballot Hall of Famers off that 2002 Tampa Bay defense that delivered the Bucks their only Lombardi trophy. Safety John Lynch has been a four time Hall of Fame finalist off that same defense. Now Barber is eligible for the Hall of Fame and his career deserves that discussion. Well, I got a two prong question for you. First off, uh, Ty Law, uh, well, yeah, we'll Does get involve to uh, involved by uh, law. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: first off, uh, my recollection, he was almost exclusively a zone corner. Never had to play man-to-man. So he looks to me as more of a system guy, and that system would could ultimately have four Hall of Famers in it and win one Super Bowl. What do we do with a zone corner?
5: Well, what do we do with non-blocking tight ends? I mean, once upon a time, tight ends blocked. You know, the game is changing, and I think we've got to change with it. Uh, I think you have to... Take a look at the slot corners. Uh, oftentimes, that's the most tough, uh, toughest receiver to cover because you've got the whole field to work with. And again, I, I think Barber's worth discussion, and that's something committee's got to decide. You know, can we put in his own corner?
4: Kuchar was asked me his tech candidates. I'm going to ask you as well. Ronnie Barber, Ty Law, or 2019 candidate Champ Bailey.
5: I think Champ Bailey's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I, I do think Ty Law should be right there with him. Give me a choice of those three guys right now.
4: I take Ty Law because he's been waiting longer. Okay, it's going to be interesting to see if he splits some of those tie law votes this year. We're going to stop right there and take a break. When we return, I want to hear what Rick and Ron have to say about a certain rally taking place next week. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Now, the reminder that the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Geico Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com.
2: This is Ron Nix, and you're
10: listening to the Talk of Fame Network. You are so lucky. Progressive presents Mind Flowness with Flow.
8: You are in the driver's seat, in complete control, in life and on the road. Your driving record is impeccable, and for this, you are greatly rewarded with Snapshot from Progressive. You use your savings to buy a World's Best Driver t-shirt. It runs a little small.
10: The more righteous you drive, the more you can save with Snapshot from Progressive. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliate. Snapshot not available in all states or from all agents.
7: This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and Clark Judge.
4: When you start telling me it doesn't matter, then are Get out. Just a reminder, the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by somebody who does matter. That'd be GEICO, where just 15 minutes can save you 50% or more in car insurance. For more details, go to GEICO.com. It should have gone 15 minutes ago, by the way. Hey, uh, did you guys happen to see that video of Jerry Rice this week at 49ers camp? Goose? Ron? Nope. Did not see it. Did not. Goose? Ron? You didn't see it either? Whoa.
0: I was watching <laughs> Rory McIlroy's backswing. Oh,
4: wow. Well. This was better than Rory McIlroy's backswing. Trust I'll me. Bet. I mean, the, the guy is, is uh, unbelievable. Here he is, 54 years old, and, and he's running routes for Brian Hoyer at the 49ers facility in Santa Clara, and he was catching everything. I mean, everything aside, just like the old days. Um, except, of course... He was catching those passes from Joe Montana and Steve Young in the old days. And, yeah, there is a big difference. But uh, speaking of the 49ers and, and uh, Jerry Rice, um, another ex-quarterback is in the news uh, again. And while I don't like commenting on his every move, tweet, or uh, kneel down, whatever, victory formation, I, I do want to know what you guys think about this rally that uh, Spike Lee's staging next Wednesday. That would be August 23rd in New York City, outside the New York, uh, the NFL headquarters on Park Avenue. On behalf of, yes sir, you guessed it, Colin Kaepernick. And the reason I ask is because of this, guys. I, I know the rally is staged to drum up support for Kaepernick, but I think it could and will hurt him more than it's going to help him because it only convinces owners, coaches, GMs, whoever, um, that the circus is going to follow him wherever he is. And, and maybe you can live with that if it's, you know, one of those quarterbacks I mentioned, Joe Montana or Steve Young. Maybe but, Goose, not when you're a guy who is 3 and 3-16 in his last 19 starts. See, I don't
5: think that rally is going to help or hurt him. You know, what's going to help him is another starting quarterback going down with an injury like Ryan Tannehill did in Miami. That gave work to Jay Cutler. Lose another quarterback or two, and that could give work to Kaepernick.
0: I don't know about that, Goose. That's what I thought, too, initially. Uh, yeah, I thought that's where his chance would come. Uh, but he's had those uh, he's several had him, of those right. chances, and he's, right. he's not getting any closer, you know. Uh, as far as his one loss record, Clark, look, the team stunk. I mean, he may have stunk, but so did they, so uh, I wouldn't really put it on him. I just think that that he—nothing's he, uh, really done him any good. You know, he said, I'm not going to protest anymore. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to behave myself. Something uncomfortable is going on here, and I don't
4: really like it. So what do you think comes out of this round, the, the, the rally next week? What do you think happens? Nothing, Anything? really,
0: uh, except from some good PR for Spike Lee, which is his strong point. Uh, you know, he's— He's
5: good at getting PR, mostly for himself. Clark, I expect Ron to write a column urging the Patriots to sign Kaepernick. <laughs> yeah,
4: exactly. That's right. Why not? <laughs> but, I mean, I do think that, that it, it's going to convince somebody who may be on the fence. Maybe, you know, maybe those someone in, in Baltimore. Listen, they were the team that seemed to be the closest. That You know what? This is exactly what we thought. Wherever he goes, the media follows. It's all about him. Instead of asking questions about this or that, instead of being focused on this, it's always a focus on – Colin Kaepernick, I mean, you look at this, what's going around in the league now. People are talking about who's kneeling, who's not. Who cares? Who cares?
0: Apparently the NFL, because they won't give the guy a job. You know, I mean, it's just, uh, it, look, it's not, it's, it's simply not right. It doesn't feel right. I think most people will admit it doesn't feel right. And I think most people will admit, regardless of what you think, he should be a starting quarterback or not. You don't think there's 120 quarterbacks in America better than Colin Kaepernick.
4: Yeah, but let me ask you this, Ron. If it's his right to kneel, and it is. It's everyone's right to do what they want the National Anthem. Isn't it the right of employer not to hire him?
0: Well, I don't know. There was a time when people used to say you didn't have to hire black people. Was that right? You know, Look, I mean, they have no, one has nothing to do with the other. Can he play or not? Judge him on his ability to play football. Uh-huh. And, you know, now look, if people are refusing to go to the games, then maybe they can make some case. Nobody's refusing to go to any games. Uh, you know, it's—it's. It's, I, I think they don't mind having rapists, villagers, gunfighters, you know, <laughs> drug takers, that's all fine. But a guy kneels down, and <laughs> you know, it's, Tebow kneels down on two knees, he's out. Kaepernick kneels on one knee, he's out. I guess the answer is, don't kneel down. Ron,
4: yeah, well, hold
5: the rope, write the column. Yeah, that's,
4: yeah, that's right. right. That's <laughs> exactly oh, right. Yeah, um, and, and, you know, it's funny because I think what you're suggesting, what it seems like, is collusion. Why isn't the NFLPA pushing that? Because well, it's so tough to prove? Is that why? Yeah, I mean,
0: it's very tough to prove, you know. I mean, uh, but. You know, you can yell and scream and all you want, but if you just look, just look at the people that are getting hired. I mean, come on. Is he a worse guy than Jay Godler? I mean, a lot of people don't think Gutler's a wonderful guy. He's not. <laughs> but he's, he's not. got a job, and this guy doesn't.
4: Yeah, you know? he's, he's got a job as a starter, too. Okay, well, let's move on from there. Another question, if you can goose, I'll start with you. Um, looks like Lee's going to full time officials. Um, like it? Loathe it? What do you think? Like it.
5: I became an advocate of full-time officials last year. Make them all live during the season in a central location, either Chicago or Dallas. Work your game then return for classroom sessions Tuesday and Wednesday where all officials watch all games and get critiqued. That's the only way you're going to develop any consistency in officiating. Let everyone see what is a penalty and what's not a penalty. Right now there are 17 crews and all view penalties differently, and that's not good for the game of football.
0: Well, I agree. I mean, what other sport has part-time cops? I mean, the mall has part-time cops, but they're not the mall. You know, they're they're the most productive sport. In the country, and uh, you know, they make the most money and all that, and they have mall cops running. You know, it's crazy.
4: (laughs) It is crazy. No disrespect to
0: mall cops, by the way.
4: This is your NFL. It's crazy. Um, Okay, Goose. I I know uh, Mike Pereira, who's a friend of the show and also leads former head of officiating. He's been outspoken on the subject, opposing full-time officials because, as he said, he thought it would cause them to lose uh, some of their guys because they have other jobs that they do uh, Monday through Friday. Can that? Will that happen? And and doesn't matter.
5: Well, if these guys were all great at what they did, I think Pereira would have a point. But does anyone really think these officials are really doing a great job? You know, maybe this crew of NFL officials uh, could use some new eyes, some new views on what exactly is and is not a penalty. Turn it over. Okay. Ron?
0: Well, I, I agree. Look, we'll never know uh, if this is going to, would be helpful. Uh, until you try it. But if you believe that Malcolm Gladwell's theory of 10,000 hours to perfect a skill, <laughs> then get full-time <laughs> officials and full-time mall cops too.
4: Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> Ronnie, 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 yep. Whoa. The Jersey Boys, they love our Ron Borges. Malcolm Gladwell, eh, not so much, but <laughs> Jersey Boys do. Mostly because they love hearing his weekly tirades, like the one you just heard on Colin Kaepernick, on Borges or... Bogus. That's right. Brought to you by Motel 6. Just click on Motel6.com. And Ron, yes, Ron personally is going to leave the lights on for you. So, Ron, what do you have this week?
0: Well, uh, Colin Kaepernick is everywhere, and apparently so is Marshawn Lynch. Last weekend, Lynch was one of several NFL players refusing to stand or thrusting a fist upwards during the playing of the national anthem as a form of silent protest. Now, some critics suggested these players sit down and shut up. I'd like to point out they already did.
6: Bogus. Bogus.
0: It's unclear now if, they, uh, if the protest is over the troubled race relations again percolating to the surface in America uh, or what has clearly become an NFL boycott of Colin Kaepernick's services. Probably it's both. Uh, to those who suggest they don't watch football to see political commentary, uh, even if it's silent, I would just say consult your dictionary. If you look up the word liberty, it says the following. Freedom from control, interference, obligation, restriction, hampering conditions, power or right of doing, thinking, or speaking according to choice. Now, if you go to the national anthem, which everyone says they revere, there's a line that says, Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave for the land of the free and the home of the brave. That's sort of what Kaepernick and Lynch and Michael Bennett and others seem to be asking uh, of the NFL and a larger society. And it's not a
6: bogus
0: question, as the recent sad events in Charlottesville, Virginia, remind us. Oddly, the one person we're not hearing from is Kaepernick, who has seemingly been silenced by unemployment. Now, there's a civics lesson there in what's happening to him. The decision not to hire him is no longer a football one. and never was. Few people would argue there are 120 better quarterbacks available than a guy who led his team to the Super Bowl not long ago and is still young and healthy.
6: Bogus.
0: The decision is a political one and a business one, even though the truth is Kaepernick is not bad for business. Few are going to stop watching football for long just because a guy with an Oscar Gamble hairdo is kneeling on the <laughs> sidelines. Truth is, if he's been under, underemployed now for how many months? And he's still 37th on uh, jersey sales, so somebody's buying him. And guess what, NFL? They're customers, too. Now, Spike Lee, as you point out, Clark, is uh, held in this rally uh, next week outside the NFL offices. Uh, it would be more successful if it was being held in front of Budweiser or Coors or Verizon <laughs> because that's what the NFL listens to. Threaten their advertisers with not drinking their beer, and Cole and Capital will have a job pronto and it won't be selling beer. Otherwise, it's just a
6: bogus
0: display of self-aggrandizement that won't do him a damn bit of good. In fact, it's already it was done, already done in May to no avail. This week, Browns coach Hugh Jackson said he respected players' rights to free p- speech, but he hopes they don't exercise it because the anthem means a lot to him. Well, good for you. It means a lot to all of us. And one of the things it means is some people died so other people could do exactly what Colin Kaepernick is doing, protesting his feelings about a government that's unresponsive in his opinion. I understand there's a lot going on in the world, Hugh Jackson said, what we deal with, we try to deal with as a team in our closed environment. Well, isn't that really the problem, closed environments? Certainly closed doors are for Colin Kaepernick, and it seems for more and more players who see this for what it really is.
5: Bogus. Okay. Ron, is he through? Will he ever step on an NFL field again?
0: I'll tell you, Goose, I didn't think so, uh, but now I do. Uh, now I do. I mean, they're just going to dig in their feet and do the Ray Rice thing and just wait till he disappears, and he's disappearing fast. Uh, and he clearly is afraid to even speak anymore because he should be screaming his head off at this point. What's he got to lose? Uh, but, he, you know, Kurt Flood uh, ended up in Mallorca as a bartender, and this guy may be working in the same joint not too, uh, too distant future.
4: I, I, I've got more of a um, general question for you, Ron. I, I, my dad was in the service. He was in three wars, um, World War II, Korean War, right. and, and Vietnam. And he always felt the national anthem—you trivialized it by playing it before sports contests. He goes, "Why are we even playing it before sports contests?" Um, would you agree with that? I mean, I do agree with that. I do agree uh, with that a lot. I mean, I've asked myself many, many times, "Why is
0: this? Why, why are we doing this at every baseball game and every basketball? Yeah. You know, what are we doing? This is, you know, uh, we don't have big Memorial Day parades anymore when we should be doing something yeah, like that's right. we had when we were kids throwing flowers off the end of the dock. We don't do that, but." You know, the Red Sox are playing the Phillies on July 9th and we play the song. I mean, it's stupid. Yeah. we got an and,
4: ass backwards. Yeah, and, and I'll guarantee you there are probably people in the stands who aren't standing for the national anthem, but we're not talking oh, about them. They're at the them. beer counter, yeah, about a right. third of them. Yeah, well, thanks, guys. Ronnie, I'm going to tell you something else that's not bogus. We've got Hall of Fame Executive Director Joe Horgan. True, true story. Joe Horgan Oh-ho. in the house to take batting practice from all of us. Yes, sir. Get that fastball ready. He's coming up right after this.
2: Hi, this is Art Show. And you're listening to the Talk of Fame Network.
4: Now, the reminder that the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Geico Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com.
10: This is Jason Taylor, and you're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Progressive brings you
8: flowetry with Flow. The better you drive, the more you save. Bears and bats, they live in a cave, but that's irrelevant here. So back to the subject we steer. Snapshot saves you money when you drive safe. I wear corduroy pants. I don't mind that they chafe.
10: The better
1: you drive, the more you can save. With Snapshot from Progressive, visit progressive.com. Progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates. Snapshot not available in all states or from all agents. Jim, I can't take your call right now. I'm digging for oil in my basement to help pay for my family's mobile bill. A little crazy, you say? (laughs) You try getting a data plan that has enough gigs for my family. And I thought braces were expensive we definitely need a switch
9: stuck in a dysfunctional family plan switch to boost best family plan right now and get four lines for just 25 dollars per line each with unlimited gigs with metro pcs you only get two gigs per line for the same price plus switch today and get up to four free phones all on the fast and reliable sprint nationwide network Boost makes it easy to switch. Switching makes it easy to save.
10: Offer ends nine ten seventeen. 17 Requires one line to port in. Lines include unlimited data, talk, and text. Video streams optimized at up to 480p plus resolution. Music up to 500 kilobits per second and cloud gaming up to 2 megabits per second. Data deprioritization applies during congestion. Comparison based on MetroPCS's 2 gigabyte promo plan as of four twenty five seventeen. For additional details, visit their website. Free phones while supplies last. Requires port in and activation on $100 plan. Coverage and offers not available everywhere. Restrictions apply.
9: the American Spirit. A
1: good night's sleep starts with the right pillow. That's where MyPillow comes in, and now for a limited time, just go to MyPillow.com, click the Radio Listener Special tab, and use promo code SKY to get two premium king or queen pillows and two additional go-anywhere travel pillows, all for 50% off and free shipping. That's MyPillow.com, promo code SKY, or call 1-800-635-1825. 1-800-635-1825.
6: Hi, Tom Bodette, trying to align my chakras around this hot yoga thing. Yep, they finally found a way to make working out even more uncomfortable. Well, at least with Motel 6, you've got one less thing to sweat. They've got clean, comfortable, and now completely updated rooms at a great low price. So the only thing you're stretching is your dollar. Sounds like my kind of place to namaste. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light and the AC on for you. Book online at motel6.com.
7: This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and Clark Judge. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law.
4: So we respect, we respect Geico. The Talk of Fame Network brought to you by Geico, where just 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com, and you probably should have gone 15 minutes ago. Well, as promised, Joe Horrigan is with us. Joe's the executive director of the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton. But he is, of course, more than just that. He's a longtime friend of all of ours. He's the conscience of the Hall, and he's the guy we do seek out when we're looking for answers to Hall of Fame questions and dilemmas. And, Joe, we have a familiar one today. Uh, and I'll start off by asking you, how do you or or can you limit Hall of Fame acceptance speeches? And, look, I, I, I mean, I understand these are the last best chances for these individuals to you know, to thank those who helped them get to Canton. And I understand that some of those 36-minute speeches like Brett Favre's a year ago, God, that was great. They just weren't long enough that that was great. But it seems to me that Brett was the exception. It, it just seems as if they go far too long, and this year was a good example. I think we didn't get out of there until a little bit before midnight or nearly five hours yeah. after the event. So going back to the original question, is, is there a concern of the hall, and how do you or can you limit the, the, the length of those speeches?
11: Yeah, there's actually a couple of questions there, Clark. The first thing, I guess, is that you know, we do try to uh, limit them without really editing them from content. So in other words, I see all the uh, uh, speeches in advance, and, you know, I ask to get them so we can look at them and I tell them, look, we're looking to edit in the sense of redundancies, maybe some extra words that don't necessarily need to make your point, but we will keep your, your themes there. And in general, uh, all seven guys accepted some of them, obviously not much. Uh, because there there is a tone and a tenor that they that they feel that they have to have that, that the, the words that they choose are the words that will only make that point. You know, we can debate that you know from now until tomorrow. But right. the big thing is that uh, in as a organization, what we did is several things you probably didn't even recognize or notice as they were occurring. But for instance, the uh, hundred and I think it was six or 108 Hall of Famers that were on the stage that evening. We introduced them before TV time. So in other words, the live audience, of which you guys were a part of, you saw it. But from a TV perspective, it was already completed by the time the show began to air. So that saved us about 20 minutes of air time. And then the second thing we did, is, and we set a goal uh, this year, we wanted to have the first Hall of Famer at the podium at 7 11 in TV time, 7 11 uh, We got him there at 7-12, which we were real happy about. Uh, so we, we knew right away that we were ahead of schedule, that we had some built-in time because the these speeches were going to be long. Then I, I guess the only other thing I would I'd say that is that I use this as an example. I think what happens to the guys is they're thinking about their speech and saying, hey, all I need is an extra 10 minutes. You know, what's 10 minutes in my career? You know, that's not asking too much. Well, if in the case as it was this year, all seven decided they needed an extra 10 minutes, you have an hour and 10. So it, I'm sure they're not thinking about it in terms of an hour. They're thinking of it in terms of 10 minutes. Now, what can we do about it? We we put them all on teleprompter, which keeps them on pace, keeps them from getting lost and wandering off their script, and it and it helps you know for all of us to know a little bit about where they're at. So we do that. But we also we to tried in the past the warning light yellow, red, you know. I mean, what? yellow, our green, yellow, red. And the famous Dan Beardorf walked up to the podium and he said, "Hey, I'm from Canton, Ohio. Waited a long time to be here and unscrewed the light bulb." So <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you, 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 you lead a horse to water, but so there's things that like that we we have tried. We have tried countdown clocks, and of course, you know, most of them ignored that as well. It really is a difficult thing. The final thing I would say, and I know I'm going over on on this subject, but if you went to a banquet and hurt any one of those seven guys deliver the speech they delivered you would walked away and said wow that was great we just happened to give you seven banquets this year
6: yeah which right. we
11: think uh, you know was for the for the fan that wanted to hear the whole thing that was great they had nothing but positive feedback for the guy that was waiting just to hear kurt warner well he was pretty tired by the time kurt got there so there's a it's a double-edged sword um, you know you want to let the guys have their day but we we understand that uh guys six and seven and sometimes eight are taking you into the Late late evening, early morning hours. So, it's it's an issue. We try our best, but again, I don't want to edit for the uh, what they what they had to say.
5: Joe, some of the guys still had their parties after the celebration, after the, the induction ceremony. Jerry mm-hmm. Jones had his on Friday. It was late. I was going to spy the Morton Anderson party, but it was going to be close to 1230 when we got there. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you That's see right. more players, more inductees, moving their parties to the night before?
11: Yeah, yeah. What's happening, it's been the last couple of years because uh, I think they're smart enough to realize that, you know, if they, if they try to do it after the entrament ceremony, A, they're physically, you know, drawn, uh, but B, it is late. And, you know, the, the thing I'd say too, Rick, and you've probably heard me say it is, you know, I don't plan Hall of Fame weekend around somebody's party. They can party back at home if they want. They can party before they get here. But they're here to be mm-hmm. enshrined forever. And that's, that's the focus of what I want to be, you know, you know, spending my time on. And, and most often that's what the Hall of Famers spend their time on. It's usually the pressure of a team or a family that, you know, feels the obligation of, of entertaining those that travel this far to be at the ceremony. But most of the guys, you know, will tell you that, hey, they're happy to be at their party for a half hour because they're tired. They don't want to spend a long time. It's for everybody else.
0: Uh, Joe, one of the things I was wondering uh, when I was looking at the crowd uh, at the induction ceremony, mm. if perhaps it was unwise to play the game before the induction, uh, are you guys going to rethink that at all and what day are you going to play the game? we have
11: to look every year, Ron, and, and it's a real good observation. Two things that, that enter in. You know, we had a, a new facility uh, this year, and we're, at times it looked a little more empty than it actually was because we have club-level seats. And folks were leaving their their outdoor seats and moving indoors, so there was some you know some holes that really didn't exist, but they they looked to to someone looking at the uh, empty seats the people weren't there. But the crowd was a little lighter. Uh, it was about about average, a little below average. Uh, We've gotten used to these banner years with a uh, Brett Farbs and uh, Jerome Bettis, who you know from Pittsburgh just up the road from us, you know drew sold sold, sold out crowds easily. Uh, but you know on I mean, a normal year. Uh, when you have Hall of Famers that are coming from the West Coast in particular, and their teams don't travel that well, or their fans can't travel that well, the crowds are down a little bit. Uh, and being televised, people know that they can see it on television. There's no blackout rule here, and you know, for a Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony. So there's a little bit of that going on too. But um, you know, the I guess the um, real answer is it, it's a, a supply and demand business, even in in, in the attendance for something like this. But, uh, you know, we were, we look at the schedule and we look at that and say, this, this was the first year with a Thursday night game. And we know that because Thursday night's a work night, obviously we're not going to see the traffic that we'd ordinarily see on a Saturday or a Sunday at the Hall of Fame uh, when the game was played uh, previously. So it, 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 I don't know to it hurts us, but it changed the way we have to do business a little bit. But we'll review that. Uh, the TV ratings were great, and that's part of what, we always have to be mindful of is the audience that we're playing to is the bigger, broader audience that's seeing it on television or through other platforms these days, as opposed to just the attending audience. So in that respect, uh, all the ratings were up this year, so you know that was a good thing. So we have to weigh it and see which which works best for us and for the audience we're
4: trying to reach. Hey Joe, going back to my original question about the acceptance speeches, a simple question here. How do you determine the order of speakers? In other words, how do you determine that Jerry Jones and Kurt Warner will be at the tail end and somebody else will be much earlier.
11: Well, actually, this year it got a little easier because Kenny easily wanted to be first. So that one Mm. took care of itself. Nobody wants to be first, but Kenny did. So that one was good. (laughs) Uh, And then we looked, you know, Kurt Warner, obviously, we knew that he had a a kind of a broader uh, following, having been with uh, different teams. But he was also mostly a kind of a West Coast uh, draw, if you will. Uh, Right. Uh, so we thought that would be good for those tuning in on the west coast. Again, we're looking at TV here. Three hours earlier, they're still watching. You know, when it's you know 10 o'clock at night, at seven down there. So it helps there. Uh, and then we try to you know look at the you know kind of get somebody in the middle that keeps the audience connected. So that you don't have the the block of your your speakers in the middle that may not have the star power that uh, some of the others have. It really is a kind of a balancing act between. You know, doing uh, what uh, will work on television and then looking at, obviously, with Jason, we had a local guy. He went to the University of Akron, you know, right up the road. So, you know, we we knew we had him to the middle. Uh, It just kind of usually follows, uh, falls into place for us by geography more than
4: anything else. Kenny must have had a party to go to.
11: What's funny, too, is, you know, Kenny, I think was just a little more nervous and just wanted to get it over with and not have to worry about it while he's watching everybody else speak. But he gets up there and is the first guy up. So done if it if it's not his uh, during his speech. The the teleprompter failed. And it was ready right, to get right, a paragraph right. and a half to go when uh, when it went black. And I thought he did a great recovery of when he just went blah 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 blah. My teleprompter broke. I got his gun. <laughs> right. And, and the, the sad part of that was his, his parting line was "Stick a fork in me, I'm done." And that was <laughs> so yeah. never got to deliver that line, which I think particularly with the length of the beaches that night would have been a good uh, finishing line.
5: Hey, Joe, I thought the Hall has done a fabulous job of renovating the stadium, in effect, making it a, a new stadium. It's almost too mm-hmm. good a facility for just one game a year. What are the chances of Canton one day getting a regular season game?
11: Well, you know, that's a hope, Rick, uh, and I'll, I'll say this, that, you know, we have one NFL game, our preseason game, but we're also trying to start a uh, Black College Football Hall of Fame classic here. Uh, we have the, um, uh, the Division III NAIA, I guess it is, uh, playoffs coming in a couple of years. We have two high schools that play here regularly and two colleges, so it gets a lot of use uh, in that uh, way. But also, it's a concert venue, as you know. Uh, it's kind of designed as almost a uh, amphitheater, uh, and it's beautiful. There are great acoustics for concerts, so it'll get a lot of uh, a lot of attention. But uh, I'll ask you guys, when was the last time you were in a press box that had uh, granite
4: countertops for a <laughs> Yeah,
0: Yes, good point. That
4: was pretty nice. Yeah.
0: Reminded me of Clark's house, actually.
3: There's <laughs> granite everywhere. Yeah, you know?
0: it's,
11: I tip my hat to our local trades here because we did that, and it literally is a brand new stadium. There really isn't anything yeah. left over from the old stadium, but uh, we completed the small side last year. And then this year, the opposite side in the new field uh, was done in, in uh, just 10 months. Uh, they worked three shifts a day, seven days a week, to make sure that it was done on time for the game. And literally, I mean, we, we had but hours to spare, and, and they did a great, great job. We're real proud of that.
0: Well, uh, Joe, as soon as you hear this, you'll know this is, a, I don't want to say a pet peeve of of Goose's mind, but certainly something we've brought up a bunch of times, which is uh, the Amnesty 100. When the 100th anniversary comes up, how seriously are are you considering some sort of one-time Amnesty uh, to try mm-hmm. and allow some of that rising tide of the mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. uh, senior pool to go down a little bit.
11: Yeah, we actually, you know, and, and we've had this conversation, you know, Ron and Rick and Park. Uh, it, it's kind of one of my my uh, banner issues too, is, as you know. We literally have floated some the, conceptually the the idea to our board of trustees, who ultimately will make a decision like that. There's a lot of challenges that we have, obviously, to go over. But I think that the 100th anniversary brings opportunity to so many different things. Rick, I'm sorry, because I didn't get back and answer your question about a regular season game. We think it'd be a great opportunity because the uh, 100th birthday of the NFL actually falls on September 17th. I mean, it is September 17th, which is a Thursday, which would be great to have a Thursday night regular season game here on that date. Because Canton will be the epicenter of that, you know, that, uh centennial celebration, you know, the 100th birthday of the NFL. But I think there's so many other opportunities, not the least of which would be looking at some of the backlog of players and contributors that might get a, I, don't, I hate to call it an amnesty because it sounds like it's, uh, allowing for someone that uh, may not deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, I think there's so many that deserve to be in the Hall of Fame right. that to make them continue to wait into the next century, you know that's that's um, that's really a challenge for them, and, and I hate seeing it. You know, I know you guys do too. And maybe this is the chance we might be able to use this as the, uh, if you will, the catapult to to make that happen. Uh, I, I I hope so. And, I'm going to continue to make that argument.
4: Joe Horrigan, thanks for the time. And Goose and I will see you next week. Very good. I'll see you then. Ron, you got
11: it.
10: Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Thanks, Joe. Joe. That was
4: Joe Horrigan, executive director of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Up next, it's our two-minute drill. So don't go anywhere. We're all on the clock.
10: Progressive presents Mind Flowness with Flow.
8: You are in the driver's seat in complete control in life and on the road. Your driving record is impeccable. And for this, you are greatly rewarded. With Snapshot from Progressive, you use your savings to buy a World's Best Driver t-shirt. It runs a little small.
10: The more righteous you drive, the more you can save. With Snapshot from Progressive. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Snapshot not available in all states or from all agents.
7: This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and Clark Judge. Playoffs Way off. We'll talk about
4: Playoffs? You kidding me? That's the There's that single again. No, we're not kidding you. We're almost out of time, so let's get to the two-minute drill. Brought to you each week by Burger King Breakfast.
5: Chad Henney leads the NFL in passing weekend of the preseason. Is there a quarterback controversy brewing in Jacksonville?
4: No sir. The only thing brewing in Jayville is a stench from the pulp mills.
5: I would say the better question, Goose, is their quarterback brewing
0: in Jacksonville? <laughs>
5: Tommy Lee Lewis of the Saints leads the NFL receptions the weekend of the preseason. What's the over-under on the number of balls he'll catch this season? Did you say
4: Tommy Lee or Jerry Lee? Anyway, six.
5: <laughs> How do you come to that? I'd say over one, but less than anybody will care about. <laughs> What's the over-under on the number of passes 40-year-old Tom Brady throws this month? Six. <laughs> I hear a trend. Less than his age, but more than his shoe size. <laughs> With the pull-out of airline carriers from the charter business, the Patriots have purchased their own plane. Which NFL franchise will buy the next one? The Jets. Yeah, and they'll buy a Piper Cub. (laughs) Odell Beckham wants to be the highest-paid player in the NFL, so who has a better chance of cashing in, Ron from the Pulitzer Committee or Odell from the Giants?
4: Ron. It's hard to find words for anything below no chance.
5: (laughs) Ron can't even cash at the bank. What are the chances that concussion protocol keeps Atlanta's workhorse Devonte Devontae Freeman out of the remainder of the preseason, but not the regular season?
4: I think pretty good, especially if he forgets how to run.
5: Very good. Fog tends to clear when the games finally count. Mason Crosby, Bing Crosby, or Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young?
4: Sidney Crosby. I would not lose.
5: Ah. White Christmas is still the all-time leader
0: in record sales. Bada-bing. Bing Crosby. <laughs>
5: If Ezekiel Elliott the opening month of the season, the Cowboys would be without nine starters from their playoff lineup last January. Should they remain the favorite in the East?
4: Yes, sirree. I spoke to Jerry Jones. Zeke has done nothing wrong.
5: Without him, they won't even be the, e- the favorite in East Dallas. <laughs> Jeff Fisher wants back on the NFL's coaching carousel. So where does he land in 2018?
4: Summerstock on Rodgers and Hammerstein's carousel.
5: Next to Colin Kaepernick saying, how the hell this happen?" The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the featured team on Hard Knocks this summer. When will we see HBO feature the Patriots on this popular series?
4: Today, Bob Craft and Roger Goodell make up, which is never.
5: I would say right after two five and 5-11 seasons.
4: We'd like to thank Curly Culp, Joe Horgan, and John Turney for joining us, Derek Burns for producing us, and you for listening to us. If you'd like to hear this or any podcast, just go to our website. That'd be talkofame.network.com or dial us up on iTunes or your podcast app. Otherwise, tune into this station at this time. Next week, we'll be here. Hope you will be, too.
10: Daddy, where do babies come from?
4: Uh, well, uh, honey?
10: Mommy went to the store. Oh,
1: well, you see, um, well, there's a mommy and a daddy, right? Right. And see, when they call Geico, uh, they could save a bunch of money on car insurance. Oh, really? And that makes them happy? Yes, that makes them very happy. That's good.
5: Yeah. Well, I'm glad we
6: could have this talk, sunshine. (laughs) GEICO,
5: because saving 15%
10: or more on car insurance is always a great answer.
6: Hi, Tom Bodette. According to the dad bod craze, the lumpy, less-than-chiseled look is now totally in. So you could say I'm in the best shape of my life, and so is Motel 6. They've updated their properties nationwide with contemporary everything, still for the same low price you've come to expect. So your wallet can feel a little pleasantly plump, too. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at Motel6.com.
10: Jim, I can't take
1: your call right now. I'm digging for oil in my basement to help pay for my family's mobile bill. A little crazy, you say? (laughs) You try getting a data plan that has enough gigs for my family. And I thought braces were expensive. We definitely need a switch.
9: Stuck in a dysfunctional family plan? Switch to Boost Best Family Plan right now and get four lines for just $25 per line, each with unlimited gigs. With Metro PCS, you only get two gigs per line for the same price. Plus, switch today and get up to four free phones, all on the fast and reliable Sprint Nationwide Network. Boost makes it easy to switch. Switching makes it easy to save.
10: Offer ends 9 10, 17 Requires one line to port in. Lines include unlimited data, talk, and text. Video streams optimized at up to 480p plus resolution. Music up to 500 kilobits per second and cloud gaming up to 2 megabits per second. Data deprioritization applies during congestion. Comparison based on Metro PCS's 2 gigabyte promo plan as of four twenty five seventeen. 17 For additional details, visit their website. Free phones while supplies last. Requires port in and activation on $100 plan. Coverage and offers not available everywhere. Restrictions apply.